It's Monday. It's July 5th. And the word of the day is concation, which means to procrastinate or to delay an action. Used in a sentence, the worst time to request a concation is when you've already asked somebody to rearrange their schedule to record the episode early. Oh, you know I don't know words, otherwise I'd look up a super sassy word that's relevant to something I'm mad at you about. I know, I was. I knew I was safe. <laughs> I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. And broadcasting delayed from America's far center, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, Donald Trump's taxes turn out to matter to someone. Canada will have to explain to Americans that 49 degrees is actually very hot. And he's not here because he ripped off his penis while masturbating again. It, it happens. But first, the rest of the intro music. T- to Heath. I mean, it happens to Heath. Yeah, it doesn't happen so, to anyone, but it happens to him all the time. All the fucking time. Tweet at him. Joining me for headlines tonight is my fellow skeptograt, Eli Bosnick. Eli, of all the stuff you know about Heath, which one thing do you think he'd least like for you to share with our audience? Oh, okay, for the folks at home, that beep was Eli announcing Heath's cell phone number. I mean, you asked. I, you know what? I did. I did. I knew what I was getting into. In our lead story tonight, Donald Trump has fucked up so bad that tax laws are starting to apply to him even though he's rich. My God. Right? And we learned that on Thursday when Manhattan District Attorney and guy who was apparently named by an action movie writer from 1986, Cyrus Vance Jr., issued an indictment for the Trump Organization as well as its chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg. Uh, Weisselberg, whose ex-wife describes him as the Robin to Trump's Batman, has worked for the (laughs) Trump Organization since Trump's dad ran the place, actually. Uh, He's Trump's most trusted advisor, and for his hard work and dedication, he receives ample compensation, much of which is taxed. Uh, But it's his role as the bouncer at Trump's skeleton closet that caught the interest of prosecutors. Uh, well, I mean, that and and all of the alleged tax fraud. Yeah, but, but don't worry, Donnie. I'm sure he's eternally loyal and won't give prosecutors literally everything they need to bury you under a jail for one day less of prison time. Yeah, no, I'm sure <laughs> he's not that type at all. So the charges against Weisselberg revolve around a bunch of fringe benefits that somehow never showed up on his tax return. And... and We're not talking about, like, the valuable parking space in Midtown or access to the company gym here. It's shit like rent-free luxury apartments in Manhattan, private school tuition for his grandchildren, and a Mercedes-Benz the company leased on his behalf. So the untaxed portion of his income was way the fuck more than the taxed portion of yours or mine. Yeah, or, you know, all the money we'll ever earn in our entire lives. That kind of thing. Right, right, exactly. Per year, yeah. So, of course, the real purpose of this indictment against Weisselberg is no doubt leverage in the hopes that it'll afford prosecutors a peek inside that aforementioned skeleton closet. Hell, CNN is already referring to it as the first criminal case against former President Donald (laughs) Trump's company, uh, in case we have trouble keeping track later, right? So, And and while that's going to be worrying as all hell for Trump, it's probably not as disconcerting as the indictment against his company. I'm certainly no expert on the subject, but an awful lot of people who are experts on it are pointing out how unlikely it is that anybody will do business with him while he's under indictment. And that includes bank loans, which Trump needs to pay off. Well, I, actually, other bank loans, mostly. At this yeah, point. it might be a little hard to remember amongst the uh, scandal getting that made up Trump's presidency. But 
One of the reasons not to elect him was that he owes millions of dollars to the countries he's supposed to be negotiating right. with. So. Yeah, exactly. Now, unsurprisingly, Trump's defenders are dismissing the indictment as politically motivated, which is a long way from dismissing him as false or unwarranted because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like anything involving Trump is now political. He's a politician. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's how that works. But even if the DA's chief motivation is because fuck that guy, and it very well may be, it doesn't matter so long as he can prove the motherfucker did illegal shit. And while it may be true that prosecutors don't normally pursue cases like this, that's more of an indictment against normal prosecutors than it is against this particular case. <laughs> Given the national zeitgeist, you're not going to drum up a hell of a lot of support for the poor downtrodden millionaire tax cheat. Yeah, I don't want to live in an America where they can send you to jail for not reporting your grandkids' free tuition to a private school. Someone tweeted from a forklift they'll die on. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Now, Vance and New York Attorney General Letitia James have made it clear that the investigation is still ongoing. So at the moment, the indictments are limited to Weisselberg and the Trump Organization and a subsidiary called Trump Payroll, Inc. But the charges specifically say that several top executives for the company were getting the same illegal undeclared perks as the CFO. So there's a real good chance the story is going to get even better before it's all over. We will keep you posted. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> and if Trump's world crumbling around him isn't enough to put you in a good mood, here's a word from this week's first sponsor, BetterHelp. Hi, no illusions. Welcome to Weird Therapy Office you found online. How can I help? Yeah, well, it's it's my business partner. You know, he just, he keeps ripping off his penis in a violent, lustful fury, which makes him miss work, and, and then... Jesus. Me? You probably need Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, this is a classic case of not enough Jesus. Have you had Jesus? Would you like some Jesus? Let me get my Bible. I can you, tell you, know you a little what? bit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I was really hoping for professional care, and this is, um, well, well, not that. Oh. Well, have you tried better help? What's better help? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. So I wouldn't have to come to this office between a dentist and a proctologist? <laughs> no, you don't. Plus, there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. And by many areas, you mean the state of Georgia? I do mean the state of Georgia. Yes, I do. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Wait, some places charge you to change counselors? <laughs> they sure do. That is assuming they let you change it all. I don't suppose that... Um... Oh, I'll let you change, counselors. Oh, okay. To Jesus. All right. Well, so is BetterHelp, like, super expensive? Or, I mean, what's the catch? Actually, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is available. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Skeptocrat. That's BetterHelp and join over one million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and the Skeptocrat listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Skeptocrat. All right. Well, I'm going to go. Uh, before you do, take this prescription for your friend. This is a Bible? Yes. Okay. And we're back! Next up in headlines in You Can't Spell Veto Without Vote News. Last November, in spite of a pandemic, in spite of the Democrats running a candidate about as exciting as a bread sandwich, and in spite of the constant Republican efforts at voter suppression, intimidation, and downright cheating... You voted. 
You voted so much voting that we won back the House, the Senate, kind of, and the presidency. Because if people vote, Republicans really can't steal democracy. But they'll be damned if they aren't going to do their best as the Supreme Court upheld Arizona's new draconian voting restrictions this week. Because not everybody voted the voting they needed to vote five years ago. Yeah, right. Now, interestingly enough, the justification the SCOTUS used would absolutely apply to a poll tax or a literacy test. Yep. Right, like the majority opinion literally said that racial disparities in wealth and education can't count as discriminatory in voting laws. So it's not like they're even trying to hide anymore. The bill might as well have been sponsored by a crow named Jim. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah, the decision here is most influential in how it applies to the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which, to oversimplify, was legislation put in place to prevent Republicans from making arbitrary laws that made it harder for black people to vote, like poll taxes and literacy tests. Well, the six conservative justices of the Supreme Court took a look at the new laws in Arizona that create arbitrary laws to make it harder for black people Mm -hmm. to vote and thought... I'm not sure that applies here. Yeah, no shit. Like, at this point, the Voting Rights Act is best described as decorative. (sighs) Isn't it, though? Literal quote from Judge Alito writing for the majority here. Quote, where a state provides multiple ways to vote, any burden imposed on voters who choose one of the available options cannot be evaluated without also taking into account the other available means. End quote. In other words, if the state doesn't make all ways of voting impossible, it doesn't count. Yep. Some kinds of voting, it's okay to put at the end of an obstacle course. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he pointed out that, you know, well, like, fraud could undermine the public's confidence in elections, even if it doesn't exist. So we need laws like this. I'm like, you know, weird how you didn't point out that excluding minorities could do the same, dude. (laughs) Or, Or how blatant bigotry and partisanship could undermine the public's confidence in, say, the Supreme fucking court. That didn't seem to concern you a lick. Well, all of our elections have had that, and it's gone great. I don't well, know what you're yeah. right. Of course, not everyone on the Supreme Court was happy with the ruling. You know, like the people who deserve to be there. Like Justice Kagan, who wrote in her dissent, quote, What is tragic here is that the court has, yet again, love that shade, rewritten in order to weaken a statute that stands as a monument to America's greatness and protects against its basest impulses. What is tragic is that the court has damaged a statute designed to bring about the end of discrimination in voting. End quote. Yeah, and even more tragic that they did so because otherwise there wouldn't be discrimination in voting. Yeah, I mean, that's the the goal, Justice. So... What does this mean? Well, voting in the next election is going to be even harder. So if you aren't registered to vote, you need to register now. Yeah. If you vote by mail, you need to request to do so now because there are only going to be more of these laws passed. And as the Supreme Court just told us, in no uncertain terms, that's just fine by them. Yeah. And speaking of wanting to disappear, let's toss things over to our next sponsor this week, IP Vanish. Uh, all right. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell him. Okay. So? Well, he reattached it again, but he said he's going to put snaps on it this time for safety. Yeah, that's smart. But I just don't understand how this happened. I, I thought you were watching his internet. Well, I was, but then he got IP Vanish. What's IP Vanish? IP Vanish is a virtual private network, a, a VPN for short. A VPN is a super important tool that helps you safely browse the internet. 
Well, not so safely if you're Heath Enright. Well, true that. But you can use a VPN on your computer, tablet, phones, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. And when you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted. What you're reading, what you're searching, what you're watching, whatever it is you're doing. Oh, man. Bad luck. But how can Heath afford something like that? We don't let him have money. Well, for listeners of this show, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 65% off. Just $349 for the first month or $3149 for the year. Wow, that's affordable. Well, compared to the reattachment surgery, it sure is. So go to IPVanish.com slash Skeptocrat. Claim your 65% savings. They have plans that start at just $3.49 or $31.49 a year. This is the time to sign up. With our discount and the current promotional offerings, you can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IPVanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot, and that's with more than 6,000 reviews. Show these guys some love. They're repeat sponsors. Remember, it's IPVanish.com slash Skeptocrat to get the deal and start protecting yourself online uh, okay is he allowed visitors yet no I, I think they're just sending him home wow already what a ripoff dude sorry phrasing yes and we're back next up in headlines in when in dome news the very concept of heat melted last week <laughs> as one record high temperature after another was shattered by yet another obscure meteorological term that global warming has thrust into the forefront of public consciousness it seems to happen every fucking year right like polar vortex bomb cyclone now we all know what a fucking heat dome is or rather actually we don't know what it is so much as we know that <laughs> it is yeah uh, but we also know what it does which is eclipse all-time highest temperature ever recorded in this country types of records mm -hmm. one day after another after another which like in turn by the way kills people so at the time of this recording, the death toll from the heat wave stands at 438, though the real number is almost certainly higher than that. And though we're already through the worst of it, at the time of this writing, the motherfucker is still ongoing. Right. But more importantly, I was in the center of it. OK, yeah, no, were. nobody said that climate change was going to affect me, guys. It is time <laughs> to take this seriously. Right? OK, it was never supposed to come to my door. So in the U.S., the heat wave was confined to the Northwest, in particular Northern California, Oregon, and Washington State took the brunt of it, uh, though record temperatures were also set in Idaho, Nevada, uh, Montana, and Wyoming. But the worst of it was in Canada, where the entire country shares seven fucking air conditioners. Mm -hmm. Right. So of the 438 deaths I mentioned, nearly three quarters of them are in Canada. Though the full extent is still unknown, there have already been 321 deaths attributed to this heat wave in Western Canada. And it's worth noting that, like, according to British Columbia's chief coroner, Lisa LaPointe, the total number of heat related deaths in the province over the last five years was three. Right. But you know who didn't die? My baby. And would you like to know why, podcast listener? Because I'm always afraid. And my fear <laughs> told me to buy an air conditioner and two fans on Amazon three weeks ago. Thank you, yep. postpartum anxiety. There you yep. are, big guy. There he is. High five. Now, yep. let's check the temperature in his room again. Yeah. Still 70. <laughs> and the humidity. Yeah. Um, 53.6. Now, in addition to people just dropping dead from heat stroke, the heat dome is also causing considerable damage through wildfires. About 100 miles northeast of Vancouver, the smallest village of Lighton, I think it's pronounced Lighton, uh, earned the dubious distinction of the highest temperature ever recorded in Canada at 121 degrees Fahrenheit Boom. in Canada. Yeah. But before they could explain to Americans that, yes, 49 
8.6 degrees is very hot in Canadian. The village was all but wiped out by a wildfire that took out over 90% of the town's buildings. Okay, so on the plus side, it's not really hot in Lighten anymore because there is no Lighten anymore. Yeah, right. So, right. problem solved. Now, of course, since we're largely a nation full of fucking idiots, the question of whether this heat wave can be linked to climate change is being answered in all kinds of ways other than a fucking course it can, <laughs> but, you know, despite the succinct and true nature of that response. But look, it, it kind of flew under the radar while we were focused on all the heat strokes and wildfires in the Pacific Northwest, but an all-time high temperature was also recorded in Antarctica last Thursday. It's not even summer there. 65 degrees Fahrenheit or 18 degrees Celsius. So, oh. you know, light jacket weather. Yep. You would have been comfortable in Antarctica as long as you remembered to bring a fucking sweater. That doesn't yeah. seem good. Right. Like, fuck, six degrees warmer than that. Eli kicks on his air conditioning. That's true. I do. That's exactly what and I do. <laughs> also, on Friday, uh, and, and I'm definitely going to fuck the pronunciation on this one, Oymyakon, Russia, the, the Siberian town that's generally considered to be the coldest permanently inhabited settlement in the world, yeah, they also hit an all-time record high of 89 degrees. So, yeah, if, if your global warming plans involved moving to polar regions or Siberia or something, you might want to start thinking about Mars as a possible alternative okay does mars have blueberries because i will move my son there preemptively but he does need blueberries he needs okay, a we'll lot of blueberries we'll double check we got some rovers around there they can look around yeah i could eat a rover honestly <laughs> and in delta 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 news after a year in various states of lockdown and more than six hundred thousand dead americans covid is finally over or is it for there is a new, extra-deadly, extra-contagious strain sweeping the world, and it's already here, and everybody is going to have to stay inside and wear masks again, forever and ever. Or are they? Sorry, I was just reading that directly from the CDC website. Let's talk about the new Delta variant <laughs> of COVID and what we know so far. Yeah, and, and by the way, if you're thinking to yourself, can I really trust Eli's take on epidemiology? I want to point out that he is literally more qualified than almost every one of Trump's advisors on the subject. Once. That's true. So That's fair. You just have that. Yeah. Now, at the outset, I should say that if we were actually talking about what I, Eli Bosnick, know about the Delta variant, we'd be stuck at, it's the Delta variant of COVID-19. And mm -hmm, honestly, yeah. we wouldn't be 100% on that. I'm really just <laughs> guessing. I'm quoting heavily from the New York Times on this, but this headline will be longer than a tweet. So let's be honest. It's probably more information than you've gotten so far. What Eli's trying to say is that you're ignorant and lazy. I'm saying we're ignorant and lazy. No, <laughs> we, me and okay, the podcast right, no, listener. So better. first things first, formerly known as B.1.617.2. So glad they changed the name. Delta's way catchier. It's known to be the most transmissible variant yet, with public health officials saying it could be up to 50% more contagious. And according to CDC estimates, it's now responsible for one in four infections in the United States. Wow. On top of that, Delta may cause more severe illness. According to a recent study done in Scotland, it found that people infected with Delta were more than twice as likely to be hospitalized than those with COVID Classic. So it's more contagious and it might be more deadly. That's the bad news. Right, yeah, but the good news is that Black Widow is finally coming out this week, so that's, that's pretty much balanced yeah, out. Yeah, right? so you win. Now, the good news is, from all indications we have, vaccines are still highly effective against it. According to one study, the Pfizer vaccine was 88% effective at protecting against symptomatic disease caused by Delta. But 
there's a catch. Unlike Alpha, where one shot offered pretty significant protection, for Delta, a single dose was only 33% effective. According to Dr. Ashish K. Jha, Dean of Brown University School of Public Health, quote, if you're fully vaccinated, I would largely not worry about it, end quote. This is this is Eli Bosnick we're talking about, Doc. Not worrying about it was never an option. <laughs> okay. Damn right. Uh, side note, variants and their resistance to a single-shot regimen is actually largely believed to be the reason for the two-shot program mm-hmm. in the two major available vaccines right now. Kind of makes that headache and afternoon of chills seem a lot more worth it, doesn't it? Right? Yeah, all of a sudden, fucking House Johnson & Johnson got a lot less braggy. Yeah. Fucking busy assholes. But... <laughs> The question everyone is asking is, what's the deal with masks? And I'm glad you asked. Because they feel like dog shit, right? They're absolutely a big deal to wear. Not in comparison with the plague. So yeah, you can wear one, but after the fifth hour on the plane the other day, I was basically talking to the inside of my teeth. Eli, they were asking about masks as they relate to the Delta variant. Oh, yeah. No, that. Okay, that makes more sense. So you may have heard that the WHO and even certain areas of Los Angeles County have recommended continuing to wear a mask because of Delta, even if you're vaccinated. And while I haven't seen a lot of lying about this in the news, a lot of the reporting around it has been, let's just say, clickbaity and evasive. So let me explain. The WHO is the World Health Organization, and the vast, vast majority of the world is unvaccinated and don't have vaccines available and won't for years. Now, this is largely because the United States has hogged them like they were nuclear weapons or something. But to be fair to the United States and our vaccine policy, the WHO's proposal for equal distribution of vaccines would have saved millions of lives, but it also would have meant waiting till around 2025 for a return to normalcy. And I mean, come on, are we going to pretend we would do that? We don't even share our food. We burn food rather than share it. I mean, come on, grow up. Grow the fuck yeah, up. Right? I mean, well, in our defense, as soon as we acknowledge the rest of the world's existence, we got to deal with how much more racist our country is. And we are, we're so not ready for that. We're enacting laws against it, actually. Yeah, so, yeah, that's you're not, not even allowed to study happening. it. Yeah. So that leaves us with the vital question mainstream media is afraid to ask. What percentage of people dying of COVID deserve it? Okay. Yeah. And the answer, podcast listener, is sadly still very few. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah. We get the occasional story of an anti-masker or an anti-vaxxer dying, and that is both hilarious and cool. But when we examine the numbers of folks getting and dying of COVID, uh, a lot of them are, you know, too poor to take the day off work and get the vaccine, or they're worried they need an ID or an address because they're unhoused, or they can't leave their house at all, or they're younger than 12, or... They don't live in America. The point is, it's not all dipshit Republicans and Karens, but I swear to you. Sorry, I get a little choked up here. The moment. No, the second. The only people dying of COVID are dipshit Republicans. We will stop caring about these deaths right then and there. No more caring. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can do a fun game with it. We'll count coughs. (laughs) Live stream them. Yeah. A little death pool. It'll be great. And then you only have to consult the committee if your insurrection lasts more than four hours. Next. Fantastic. Thank you. It was a little <laughs> long. It was a little long, but it got there. Worth it. Worth it. Uh, we learned last week that about 51% of the House of Representatives finds attempted insurrections by violent mobs worth looking into. 
uh, including almost one full percent of the Republicans. And we learned that on Wednesday when the House voted to establish a select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol by a margin of 222 to 190. Uh, That 222, by the way, includes all the Democrats present as well as a whopping two Republicans, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Uh, Yeah, right, right. Now, this comes after a bill to create a 9-11 style commission died in the Senate because everything dies in the Senate Mm -hmm. and it was a thing. But this commission doesn't need any help from the Senate, so it's actually going to happen. Oh, man, there are so many things in the Senate I wish would die that aren't this bill, Noah. But, you know, from your lips. Actually, (laughs) now that you you mentioned it. Okay, so the commission will consist of 13 House members, eight of whom will be appointed by uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and the other five of whom will be... Well, well, also appointed by Nancy Pelosi, but yep. in consultation with minority leader Kevin McCarthy, uh, which means she'll have the ability to veto it if she, the motherfucker tries to stick Marjorie Taylor Greene on there or something like that. But other than that, she'll let the Republicans have a few nominees as well. And in a gesture of bipartisanship and an effort to help legitimize the commission's future findings, Pelosi announced that one of her eight nominees will be Republican Liz Cheney, who has already agreed to serve on the panel. I mean, half the Republicans who voted for the committee are on it. Sounds more than yeah. fair. Me. Right, right. Yeah. And it could even be more yet. So to be clear here, as misguided as most of the Democratic efforts at bipartisanship have been of late, this one is actually super clever. Right. So Cheney has been an outspoken critic of Trump and his election lies from the very beginning, but she is a Republican. So even if McCarthy refuses to nominate anybody at all and no other Republicans agree to serve on the commission, they can at least say it's not all Democrats. What's more, uh, Republicans will be in the awkward position of faulting the committee for partisanship after torpedoing the attempt at a balanced committee in the Senate and then refusing to participate in the one in the House. We demand to stand in the center of the committee with our fingers in our ears yelling, la, 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 we can't. Can't hear you. Yep. Republican bipartisanship right there and a fucking sentence. Now, the commission is empowered to subpoena documents and witnesses and will apparently serve as the only actual investigation into the riot, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> like, I, look, I'm hardly the first person to contrast Republican reticence to this and the gleeful abundance of pointless Benghazi investigations. But holy shit, I, we're not talking about opening the 10th investigation into this, which is literally what the fucking Republican controlled house did over that last one. We're talking about the first Right. It is literally impossible to argue that any event that led to five deaths, 140 injuries and a full lockdown of Congress merits no investigation at all. And yet that's the official Republican line on this thing. Yeah. And what's crazier is some Republicans are arguing that we shouldn't have a commission because we already know that it's their fault. It's like if the Bush administration told us they didn't want to do the 9-11 commission because, quote, everyone knows we shot down that plane in Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Heath was going. You kind of need Heath to back up yeah, that right, joke. Right, otherwise, exactly, right. people no, are like, otherwise, "Does that guy think?" That otherwise, it's whole... just me hissing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Now, boo, boo. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, Republicans argue that the commission is, in Minority Whip Steve Scalise's words, "quote likely to pursue a partisan agenda to politicize the January sixth attack instead of conducting a good faith investigation effort into actions leading up to and the security failures of the sixth. But, like. That isn't an either-or type situation. <laughs> the, the goal of the riots was to literally overturn a fucking presidential election. By definition, that's partisan, right? The, the person who instigated it was the sitting president, who was a member of only one political party at the time. I would submit that it's impossible to have a good-faith investigative effort that wouldn't politicize the 
insurrection. <laughs> and of course, as the repeated efforts to block any efforts at accountability whatsoever betray, the Republicans agree with me. Yeah, they do. And finally tonight, in weed racing pun news. What? As he okay. gets... Yet another operation to reattach his penis to his body. You, intrepid podcast listener, may be missing him. Well, don't worry, be happy, because this next story has got you covered. Cup what? Yep. The American sprinter Shikari Richardson tested positive for marijuana this month, which means she may miss her chance at the Olympics. But at least we know she didn't miss her chance at Toke. Yo. Okay, I, I finally see that you're going for puns. It took that long. Um, Yeah, look, if weed is a performance-enhancing drug, I can punch through buildings, and I can't punch through buildings. So what? there you go. I don't know, Noah. Have you tried lately? Eli, I've had three dental surgeries in the last two months, so yes, yeah. I've tried. Yeah, okay, fair, fair. Now, Richardson won the women's 100-meter race in the U.S. track and field trials in Oregon last month. However, the United States Anti-Doping Agency announced the positive test result Friday morning, which invalidated the win. Since then, Richardson has accepted a suspension of one month starting on June 28th. Now, she will obviously serve no jail time for this, but if she did, she might be entitled to... Gonjical visits. Oh, all right. So, no, I feel like me and Shakari should start our own all-weed Olympics, <laughs> right? Like a pole vaulting with a 10-foot bong, but you got to clear it before you get to the box? Who wouldn't watch that? Oh, two fucking votes, man. Absolutely. Now, Richardson blames her use of marijuana as a way to cope with an unexpected death of her biological mother while she was in Oregon for the Olympic trials, which she was informed of by a reporter during an interview. Yeah. Thank you for not doing a pun on that one, Eli. I appreciate that. Uh, Richardson, who was separated from the grandmother who raised her at the time, used marijuana to prevent herself from having a panic attack. And as a result, she'll have to place in a race at the end of her suspension in hopes of reclaiming her shot at the Olympics. It's more like grief or... Madness. Thanks for not putting a pun on that one, too, Eli. Appreciate it. It's also worth pointing out that the rules instated by the World Anti-Doping Agency against marijuana is, in fact, a, a racist policy put mm -hmm. in place that they've attempted to justify by citing long-debunked animal-only studies and a tertiary bylaw that allows them to disqualify if substances, quote, violate the spirit of the sport, end quote. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we should underscore, of course, the fact that weed is also legal in Oregon. So the the only message that's being sent here is grieve like a white person, damn it. Have some alcohol, right? Right. So while many are reporting this as a young woman's misbehavior, it might be worth remembering that this is a 21-year-old whose Olympic dreams have been shattered because she had no support network when a reporter used her mother's death as a gotcha question during an interview. Mm -hmm. I guess I just hope we'd be better as a society am i right i brought okay. it back all right i brought it yeah. back it's okay you did not she's fine bring it back and on that note uh one note too late apparently <laughs> we're going to close it out thanks to eli bosnick and thanks to all the listeners who liked us on facebook followed us on twitter and sent us feedback on all the other various internets please keep doing that please keep listening and please keep telling your friends and if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash just like all the folks that Keith is going to thank my name in the next episode, and yes, I could just look those names up myself, but apparently we just leave that work for the person who's off that week, even if it means stacking up four weeks worth of patrons and then making the guy who's still relearning 
how to talk, say them all. That's our system. Okay, if you had shown me a fourth time, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten it. You just okay, needed yeah, to I, show I, me. I also blame me. And whether or not you're feeling financially <laughs> benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoy our brand of whimsy and you like to hear more dick jokes of free of charge, uh, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, Guide Off of Movies, D&D Minus, and Citation Needed, available on Apple Music, Stitcher, and all the other podcast apps, or the Deep Web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penist. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnik of Evil Drafts on Mars. He is the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with his permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by googling the only band called evil giraffes on mars until next time catchphrase sign off How nice you guys were to me the whole time I was gone, and then he's gone. He's like, you ripped his dick off, is what happened. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't have invented a worse thing that was that's, happening to you. That's true. That's true. Oh, they pulled out all his fucking teeth, and now they've taken two mouthpieces made for fucking Joel Osteen, and they've glued them inside his skull and told oh. him, figure out how to eat and talk and breathe again. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.